Hello and welcome to Teacher in Zion Podcast, a podcast for Christians, Book of Mormon believers, Mormons, ex-Mormons, and anyone questioning their faith or the church. And it's with an emphasis on seeking the truth wherever it leads, and especially a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. I am your host, Teacher in Zion, and this is episode three entitled, What Came Was the Church? Alfred Furman Losey was a French Roman Catholic priest, professor, and theologian who lived from 1857 to 1940, and he once famously wrote, Jesus preached the kingdom, but what came was the church. The somewhat cynical-sounding statement was designed to reveal an important truth. Not only had Losey observed a gulf between what Jesus originally taught and what he saw in the church, but he also observed that the emphasis had been changed from the kingdom to the church. Some Christians would readily agree with his statement in regards to the Church of Rome, at least, because of their feelings about the Dark Ages church. But could we also make a similar observation about the church today, even the LDS, or other Mormon denominations? I shared in my book, Destiny of Ephraim and the Restoration of the House of Israel, that around the year 2000, a thought came to rest very powerfully in my conscience. I believed it to be a message from the Holy Spirit. That thought was, it is the end of the church age and the beginning of the kingdom age. Although I did not fully understand the ramifications of this truth, it permeated the very core of my being and opened my eyes to new possibilities. When considering this statement about the church and the kingdom, the first question that begs to be answered is, what is the difference between the church age and the kingdom age? The Roman Catholic Church, which Losey was eventually excommunicated from, taught that the Church of Rome was the true church to the exclusion of all others. In other words, if you weren't a member of the Church of Rome, You were not a true Christian. Additionally, it was their firm belief that only their clergy had the authority to administer the sacred ordinances of salvation. Their evidence for this notion was that they could trace their authority back to Peter, whom Christ had ordained and given authority. Not unlike the Roman Catholic Church, Mormons also trace their authority back to a man, Joseph Smith, Jr., who also received authority from Christ to administer the ordinances of salvation. Being the one true church with exclusive authority is central to the theology of every known sect of Mormonism. Likewise, since the advent of the Protestant movement, numerous church denominations have made somewhat similar claims in the past, often believing that they are the only church with correct doctrine. In the church I was raised in, discussions among the membership regarding how other churches were in error about various doctrines were a regular occurrence. Preachers emphasized from time to time that we were the only church with true authority. When we attempted to proselytize someone, we carefully built a scriptural case to demonstrate how we were the only organization on earth that had all the key components of the original church that Jesus had set up in the New Testament. Claims of exclusivity and strong opinions regarding the errors of others have caused millions of believers in Jesus to be divided. 
the body of Christ is fractured. And some of these theological differences are certainly important, but who is right? Despite the emphasis many place on the church, it may be interesting to note that Jesus mentioned the church only twice in all four Gospels. By way of contrast, he spoke about the kingdom a total of 50 times. Despite its importance to many of us, Jesus never talked about the organization or the structure of the church in the New Testament. Nearly every parable or public speech he gave was about the kingdom. Those who followed him and assisted in building up the kingdom were simply called the church. Jesus also said very little about the church in the Book of Mormon, except that it should be called after his name and should be built upon the principles of his gospel. Later, as the disciples went about preaching and baptizing, it was recorded that those who were baptized in the name of Jesus were called the Church of Christ. See, the church never was the goal or the focus while Jesus walked the earth. His disciples were the church. The organization of the church in both the Bible and the Book of Mormon was not accomplished all at once, but took place over time. The church became more organized as needed in order to further assist them in attaining their goal, even the high calling that had been set before them for the salvation of souls and the establishment of the kingdom of God. The church was indeed organized. However, the organization itself is not the church. The people are. In July of 1828, the Lord defined the church in a revelation given through Joseph Smith, Jr. It was the earliest known Latter-day revelation on this topic, and it has largely been ignored by every sect of Mormonism ever since. And I quote, Behold, this is my doctrine. Whosoever repenteth and cometh unto me, the same is my church. Whosoever declareth more nor less than this, the same is not of me, but is against me, therefore he is not of my church. Notice that the focus in the above verse is not on joining the right denomination, but on repenting and coming to Jesus. By this means, we become his church. The church is simply defined as those people who meet the qualifications of repenting and coming into a relationship with Jesus. If it is true that we are the church, then making the church the focus, well, it's a form of self-centeredness. To glory in the church, it would be a form of self-glory. The purpose of the church was never to convert others from lesser denominations, quote-unquote, and bring them into the right denomination, but to bring souls to Christ and build up the kingdom of God. New Testament Christianity wasn't a denomination. It was a movement. It was a radical spiritual revolution. They did not join a denomination, but they made a covenant with God and, in doing so, became a part of a wider community of believers. Those who came into this new and everlasting covenant with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ would be referred to as the church or the body of Christ. The word organization was a verb in the early church, not a noun. It was an action that was taken as needed to further enhance or assist 
in the task of spreading the gospel throughout the world. In the early 1800s, a young man was called upon by God to assist in a restoration of truths and greater authority that were to be used to bring souls to Christ, first and foremost, and help bring to pass the restoration of all things spoken by the prophets of old. So, bring to pass the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. This restoration was never completed, only set in motion through the work Joseph Smith was chosen to do, especially bringing forth the Book of Mormon. And this too was prophesied, and that God would, in time, have to set his hand a second time to recover this work. For many, the church has become an exclusive organization, a hierarchical structure, rather than simply being a people who meet the qualifications of repenting and coming unto Christ, as described in both the Bible and the Book of Mormon. And both of these books are in full agreement on the subject, but subsequent revelations and ideas that later evolved in the church have managed to add to those qualifications something which Jesus strongly condemned in 3 Nephi. In fact, he said those who add to his doctrine, as outlined in 3 Nephi, he says, they come of evil. The term church became synonymous with a select organization. The idea of the one true church to the exclusion of all else, and this particular church seems to have supplanted the kingdom in being the emphasis of our work. Many work hard to convert souls to the church. However, we are commissioned to convert souls to Jesus, not the church. Those who are converted to Christ are the church. Are they not? According to the Bible and the Book of Mormon and the early revelation of 1828 found in our Doctrine and Covenants, they are. I believe in the one true church to the exclusion of all others, but I do not count that as a particular denomination. Rather, all those who believe in Christ and make a covenant with him. Again, this is what the Bible and Book of Mormon both support. Nothing more and nothing less. When we manage to gain a convert from some other Christian denomination, we count it as growth in the church. This is not growth. True growth in the church is to bring lost souls to Christ. According to the history of the Bible, the Jews were a chosen people. They were to be a light unto the world. If a Gentile wanted salvation, they had to become a Jew and abide by Jewish laws. Above all other people in the world, the Jews were given the authority of the priesthood, and none other carried this authority. Does this sound familiar? This authority they had was passed down through successive generations by ordination. They held religiously to the ordinance of God and kept the proper forms, making sure they dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. They knew the law inside and out. They memorized it from childhood, but they had over time, somehow lost touch with the original vision and built up traditions and interpretations of the law which had become contrary to the very heart of God. Although they claimed to be God's chosen and believed their ways to be superior, they were found fighting against the very God they claimed to serve. Their religion had become a dead form. And when John the Baptist and Jesus arrived on the scene, 
neither one of them had been properly ordained through the proper channels that God had originally set up. Think about that for a moment. You see, the primary question that was paramount in the mind of the Jews was, by what authority do you do these things? It was one of the primary reasons the religious leaders rejected the ministry of these two men. Now, this should be sobering news for those who think they are chosen of God and the only ones with authority. We may be busy performing many works we think are sacred or important, but how do our works compare to the work of Jesus of Nazareth and the simple but powerful message he preached more than 2,000 years ago? You know, that message hasn't changed. It's the one we're supposed to be carrying to the world. Not the story of Joseph Smith and conversion to the one true denomination. Jesus said it was the humble and the meek who would inherit the earth, not those who are lifted up in pride. Have we lost track of the original vision? Is it possible that we, like the Jews, have become filled with pride and stumbled? Will he raise up persons like John the Baptist, outside the bounds of what we would normally accept as the proper priesthood channels? Is it not a strong possibility that in this day and age, true, spirit-led servants of God may sometimes appear to us to be in violation of the law as we have understood it, and according to our traditions? In the wilderness, the people of Israel became afflicted by fiery serpents. By the commandment of God, Moses made a brazen serpent and set it upon a pole, so that any who were afflicted only needed to look upon it, and they would be healed. Although the brazen serpent was a gift from God to his people, later in Israel's history, King Hezekiah had it destroyed because many in Israel began to worship it. It had become an idol. Likewise, I believe that the institutional church, even though God may have been a part of its beginning, has since become like an idol. The simplest definition of the true church of Jesus Christ, as I understand it, is that it is the totality of all those people everywhere who hear the voice of the Lord and obey. It is not an institution, organization, or a building. It is his people. Those persons who comprise his church can be organized or unorganized. Organization is generally preferable, but organization is only a benefit when Christ is its head. When man is at the head, organizations actually become an impediment to the work of God. Membership in an organization that has all the right ordinances and hierarchical offices in place does not guarantee that we are his church. Even as the Pharisees were guilty of having a form of godliness, yet denying the power thereof, so likewise, our ordinances and offices of authority can become shallow and empty if we are devoid of the true life of the Spirit. I ask this question of many people. Where are the signs of the believers? Where is the power behind the authority you claim? In the kingdom age, I believe the traditions of men that do not hold water will no longer be sustained. For the Holy One of Israel has begun to withdraw his spirit from these efforts. Many errors 
which in the past God may have covered with his grace, will now be required of us to repent of. Errors we have held, common to the traditions of our religious background, will have to be corrected and erroneous doctrine righted. Ultimately, the setting of all things right will have to come by the outpouring of his Spirit upon all those who are humble and seek the face of God. In time, I believe the Lord will correct all of the error and deception we currently labor under, but we must be humble enough to receive it. I hold on to the hope that I shall eventually see the Spirit of God poured out upon his people, wherever they are, and in whatever denomination they attend, to gather us together into one body with a common vision. So, in closing, what is the church age versus the kingdom age? The church age represents an era when denominations or church institutions have taken precedence over Jesus Christ and his kingdom. It is when God's people are bound by tradition and miss out on the real fullness of what Jesus has given us through the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is an era where religion is king. It is an era marked by pride, arrogance, and presumption. It is a condition whereby those who are blind say that they see and think they know and understand. So what is the kingdom age? The kingdom age represents an era where the kingdom of Jesus Christ takes precedence over denominationalism. It is when God's people begin to get free of the traditions of men and inherit the fullness that can only come by faith through the promise of the Holy Ghost, including the workings of the gifts of the Spirit. It is when the living Christ truly reigns in our hearts as King. It is an era marked by humility, patience, and power. It is a condition whereby those who once thought they understood properly recognize their own blindness and confess that they see only in part that what God is doing is far bigger than any one denomination or group of people. It is when people begin to leave dead religion for relationship with God, being delivered from a host of evil spirits and influences that have kept them in bondage to sin. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, not just in mere words, but in power and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And if I haven't totally offended you yet, I hope you will bear with me and follow this podcast. If you have questions or would like to share what's on your mind, email me at teacherinzion at gmail.com. God bless. Join us for discussion in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hope of Zion or at our YouTube channel, Teacher in Zion. That's the word teacher, space, and in Zion, spelled as one word. My books can be found at Amazon.com, 
forward slash author forward slash Douglas Hatton. That's H-A-T, like a hat on your head. T-E-N, like the number 10. Until next time.